Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is the theme. Thank you very much, Bob. I will. You, you haven't died yet. <laughs> I mean, well, let's, let's, let's go through our history of dying, because I, I don't... I don't know. There, for not for long, I figure. I don't know. I so I don't think I ever. Well, one time maybe I really die, because I've heard from those in. Yes, (laughs) yes. You relieve your all your bodily fluids are relieved. So I only had that one time, and. But I've probably been unconscious from drugs. I can scared people oh, yeah. probably f- five or six times. And yeah, you want to know how screwed up I was from the pooping thing, Chuck? I didn't even notice for like three or four hours. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, Bob, how? you didn't notice that you pooped? <laughs> yes, I did. So you're I, what? I, so I went. So it was that it was with a very famous rock guitar player and some very famous band, and I was at his house and that I lived that kind of, and I was out for a period of hours. He says, so then I woke up and he was like, oh, you know, because he was, he is kind of, cons- you know, thought I was dead, didn't know what was kind. Of, I think he was kind of trying to figure out what am I going to do, right? And what, then what are we going to do with the body? <laughs> well, yeah, do you call the police? Do you call the morgue? Who do you call? Well, you know what? Good <laughs> Go- point. Do you call well, Ghostbusters? Do you call Ghostbusters? I, so, I, I we do need to, to hit home. We do need to hit home the point that in this day and age, always call 911. You're not going to jail. Yeah, but this is in 1994 right. or something. For right now, right here, right now, always call 911. Yes, Don't call always me. call 911. Always call 911. But anyway, so I come to you, and then I remember I couldn't really move. I, my, I was on my side, and I was on the carpeted ground, and he, he must have been freaking out for a couple, you know, he probably didn't notice for an hour, and then for an hour he was freaking out trying to figure out who to call and what to do, right? So, and then I came to, and then he was like, oh, my God. And then, I, but I couldn't get up. I couldn't sit up. So then I, and I couldn't really talk. I, you know, like being dead is very traumatic to your bodily functions. <laughs> and, and so I said, all I said was, I need Coke. I need Coke. Cause I thought if I had some cocaine, Mike, pouring through my body, I would, you know, be, a, and it worked. Well, that makes yeah, complete he, sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I snorted. He put, took a plate and he put some Coke on it and I laid there snorting it. And then like in five minutes, I stood up. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, oh, there you go. So, See, the problem why that doesn't work anymore, Chuck, is because there's fentanyl in the cocaine. So do you know the story? <laughs> do you know the story True. about when, when smog uh, we were in Texas one time, and Smog just was just hammered, man. He drank like a bunch of whiskey before the show, and he passed out, and he couldn't even. We couldn't get him up, and so uh, me and Chris Gates shot him with a big giant syringe full of speed. Yeah, that'll work. And he was passed out, and he just jumped up. 
like, good thing good thing he had doctors on scene. I had a, I had a very strange we were like scientists or i had a very strange uh, yes like chemists like uh, like pharmacists yeah. i had a very strange uh like acid trippy experience on saturday morning i was with sydney and we were going to go to the office i work at in hollywood i was going down the sunset strip right by the viper room and it said junkyard and little caesar on right. on the marquee at the at the at the at the little viper room and i thought did they shoot a movie last night about the 90s or the and and this and this is like or, you know what i mean i thought like those two bands can't be playing tonight or last yeah. night can they yeah they, they, they are play yeah. little caesar with bernie bernstein they're playing a bunch of little shows around they're oh is, it, is little is who's the singer of little caesar not bernie bernstein that it's guy ron. ron it's ron ron is the singer okay He's so great. little caesar's Little Caesars playing and Junkyard came from Texas to play the Viper yeah. Room? No, Junkyard no, they live is out here, all right? Southern California. No, they, they Chris were, Gates. Chris from, Gates is Chris not, Gates is not in Chris Junkyard. Gates. He was. He found he it. He was, but he is not anymore. It's all new guys. And that guy David is the singer. David, yeah, David is swell guy. And um, oh, so it wasn't like they were shooting a movie in the nineties, and no, they had in the marquee. Or that you know, was real. Keeping wow. it alive, Bob. They're keeping it alive. But uh, yeah, they must. They were playing a Friday night or a Saturday night at the Viper Room. That's probably a good gig. But I just felt, you know what I'm saying? I felt like this is kind of like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because during when they were shooting the movie <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, people kept calling me going, you got to come down to Musos. you got to see what they did to Hollywood Boulevard. And they made it like how it was when I was like 15, right? The Pussycat Theater and, and all of Hollywood Boulevard was made to look like it was when we were kids. And it was yeah. really cool. And then I thought, well, maybe they shot a movie here last night, ba you know, based around some, <laughs> I don't know, the, the hit the behind the scenes of 90210 or something. Um, but, but I'm telling you, so, so I do the Coke, I come back to life and I really didn't realize that I had urine, you know, that I peed myself, poop myself. Cause you got to understand, I went from dead Chuck. Are you following the logic? Um, I went from uh, dead, right? No consciousness to cocaine you know, kind of feeling good. So there was no reality that told me I got poo and pee in my pants. <laughs> well, and who until, cares? Who cares? Until I, yeah. <laughs> well, because I had all I lived on were like Pop Tarts, uh, Perrier water, cigarettes, and heroin and cocaine. So there wasn't a lot Bro, of poop. That came now, out. Bob, you got there wasn't understand. a lot of poop that came out. Bob, you so, have but to let understand me finish. That let me finish. That when you die, that's the high as you can get. So you were pretty high. <laughs> well, but but I it, but it's not based in like day to day realities. Yeah. So mm -hmm. so about things. two hours later, so I had a few Heineken beers or, or a few beers, green beers, I remember, and I done some coke, and I smoked some heroin, and I was just sitting there, and I had to pee because I drank the beer, right, Chuck? So. Okay. I'm known as a squat to peers. I don't know if you know this. Right. The, yeah. the, oh, I'm told this. Yeah. I squat to pee because I had three sisters and my mom. Like I, 
I grew up in a toilet seat down world, so I now, just always now, it was wait, easier. Did I have deja vu, or did we talk about this a long time ago? Yeah, we talked about it. I, but but it was because my sister Susan would give so much shit if I peed on the toilet seat, and then I I didn't like touching the bottom of it for some reason. You know, if you're gonna lift up the toilet seat. You have to put your finger under there. So till this day, you still pee sitting I still down? spot to pee. Yeah, I spot to pee. I don't know. It's just a programmed into me. So wow. I sit down in this house where I had died recently, and I, I, I sit down to pee, and I look, and I got poop in my underwear, Chuck. That's, that's how I found out about that's it. That's so hot. That's how I knew <laughs> I had died. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad but he directed many, that many, towards you, Chuck, because I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what that, the appropriate believe, response to that so is. Yeah. Yay! Is, Come on, Chuck. My belief is that's, that's the only time I really died. But there were many times when people couldn't couldn't resuscitate me or whatever, couldn't rouse me, but I was alive, right? Yeah, I, I, I know that the the idea of overshooting the mark happened a lot, but... A lot of times I was alone near the end. I wasn't with people. So it's a lot of times I just come to. You just wake I just up. Usually, yeah. I just usually wake up and go, you guys are lying. Come on, let's go. What the fuck are you talking about? I was not yeah. out. And see, yeah. now when the kids, when, when it really is a life or death issue, the kids react like that. And there's no breaking through that. Right. There's that 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 is ultimate denial that what they're doing is so dangerous. They can die any day. There's fentanyl in the cocaine. There's fentanyl in the in the methamphetamine. There's fentanyl in the marijuana. Why would they I do know, that? Chuck? You know, why are it, they putting it, fentanyl? Okay. Explain to me why they're putting fentanyl uh, in you marijuana. Know? You know, no. so, so they can get the so they can get higher and get them strung out on fentanyl now i i brought that up with my my clients because uh, i i got the article from you guys and i go well we all know that there's people is that use fentanyl, pure is fentanyl is fentanyl just pennies to make or something is it just like free it's, su it's super cheap super cheap so, so they're putting it in all that all the drugs and you can man make it right you don't need any opium from afghanistan you don't need yeah. any you buy it right? complete right you buy it complete and it, it's just it's getting harder to get now but like i was telling what i was talking with with the clients doing a morning group and one of the guys goes uh that's bullshit they're only saying that there's fentanyl in the weed so that the government can take over the weed industry and he goes how many people do you know that have have smoked weed with fentanyl in it and I go, wait, are you telling me that if, if you don't know somebody that's done it, that it hasn't happened? Are you saying that you're the expert <laughs> that's a, that, that that's you've a... sampled all the drugs in all of the United States? And you know, and he goes, the CDC is lying so they can push forward the government uh, conspiracy to take over the marijuana growing. And they're Was gonna, this uh, Tito you were talking to? Was this your <laughs> city councilman? No, and this is a young guy, but this is, the, this is just the type of logic that comes out of people who spend too much time on the internet and they don't spend any time in, in real life or talking about. Do they ever question? So, so the conspiracy ideas, like I I'm in a much more playful mood than I have been the last couple. Cause, cause I have two really friends that are really just, just the end of the world is coming because of all this misinformation. And I've been, I, be, when I'm around people that are like that, I become more philosophical. So watch my logic. The, the craziest thing is they believe these posts on Facebook, but they don't believe 
what you, a person they like and trust, says. Not, not I, I get <laughs> not trust. No, but follow You're me. Right, no. I, get, I get not trusting the government and not trusting the CDC. I totally get it. Uh-huh. But not trusting your friend that you know and like. Right. And trust, but, but then putting, putting complete faith and trust in Facebook posts, it's right. like the dumbest thing in the world to me. Right. Like, so trust your trust friends. Something. Trust your friends over Facebook. You fucking idiots. Right. And I don't. It, have, like, it's not. I don't have an agenda. So I'm not bringing this to them to try and scare them because you can't scare them. Most the the majority of people that I was speaking to at that point in time are fentanyl addicts who seek okay. out fentanyl and do fentanyl. So it's not like I'm trying to scare them, but it's just so the Dr. idea that. Drew, Dr. Drew asked me in this doom and gloom environment, what, if Bob were king, what would you do? And I said, outlaw fentanyl. And everyone on the podcast, they laughed, right? There's like this other guy from another treatment center, Dr. Drew and Dr. Drew's wife. They, they just kind of laughed when I said that. There was a drug called Quaaludes, right? And the, uh-huh. at, the psychoactive ingredient that made you feel so great, and if you talk to any old dope fiend that took quaaludes, they'll tell you it was the greatest feeling ever on earth, right? They okay. outlaw, international outlawing of that chemical that created quaaludes, there's no Meth- quaaludes. Meth- wasn't it methoqualone? Yeah, yeah, wh- whatever it was. They, they, they just... If we wanted to get behind getting rid of fentanyl, we could, but nobody wants to. You know why? Because nobody cares that a bunch of drug addicts are dying. You they really what? don't. They really or, don't. Can we just be clear about it? Oh, no we, one we, really we cares. We, we, that's that's when I said I go ninety three thousand, and they're like, "Wow, that's a lot." And I go, "Yeah, but what's being done and what's being said? We can't even get like a stiffer sentence for people selling." That, that would be the first step. The easy step would be it's just like, man, I ain't selling fentanyl anymore. It's good for 10 years. Yeah, you know, they, it's a guaranteed 10 years. You know, that's that what, would be that's fantastic. What, that's what uh, really kind of curtailed the acid thing of the late 60s, early 70s. They made it like a federal crime and you get minimum max, minimum mandatory five years in prison. We know Kristen Hosoi went to prison for it. Um, mm-hmm. like no prior record, no intent to do any harm to anyone and had money to pay for lawyers and still went to prison. So mm-hmm. they made laws that, that made people think twice about producing LSD and it worked and they made laws and international laws to stop the production of quaaludes and it did. There's literally you can't find a quaalude on the face of the earth. Not like yeah. the ones that people, you know, what they describe experiencing in the 70s. So it's possible to outlaw fentanyl, right? It, it's possible. Yeah. I would hope so. But you, you, you'd, you'd have to, I mean, that's none of those things. You, no, but China's you know not exactly, going to care. But you know exactly what the dumbass medical profession does. Well, there is situations where, that, no. No, there's no situation where the world needs fentanyl. You have morphine. You have mo- morphine, short-acting and long-acting morphine. Morphine is what everybody dies on, a morphine drip for pain. Morphine mm-hmm. works great for back pain. It works great for the workers' comp people. Morphine, methadone, existing analgesics that are regulated. And guess what? 
I don't know if you've ever shot morphine. It's not the same as shooting heroin. It's not. No, and never, methadone, never methadone just feels like ick. Like, ugh. no, I, you know, I just can't it's imagine we're going to have a, we're going to have a methadone like uh, obsessed culture. Never. Right. No. So no. But these drugs that are so short acting and such so bang for your buck, we can outlaw them. But the medical profession has to stop this fucking nonsense of the whole Oxycontin sales pitch was, oh, it, it, here's literally what one of the Oxycontin sales pitches was, because everybody might forget. I was trying to do a television show um, 10 years ago going after Pfizer and the Sacklers and everyone on earth told me I was insane and there's no way it was called Dope Nation. No network would touch it. Nobody wanted to. Netflix was kind of maybe going to do it, but no one wanted to demonize the Sacklers, say the Purdue is the same. I was in the, in the called the sizzle reel. I say Purdue Pharmaceutical is the same as the, the cartels in Mexico. There is no difference except for the United States Congress accept bribes from Purdue Pharmaceutical and they don't accept them from, from, you know, the, the cartels in Mexico. That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah, in, the <laughs> form, not, in, in the form of lobby money. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're, lobby they're money. not bribes. It's donations. Bob. And donations. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. So, so uh, the, the idea that, that, you know, their sales pitch early on in the late 90s, because uh, we had all the footage of all their marketing meetings, like it was disgusting what they because. And here's how arrogant they were. They taped their marketing training sessions so that we had the videos of it. And the, and the one doctor there goes to a bunch of doctors who wants to get rich. Swear to God, the Purdue marketing guy said to 100 doctors who wants to get rich. Who wants to get filthy rich? So you tell me no. Purdue cared about cancer patients. Fuck you, you fucking ignorant <laughs> asshole. Right? They didn't they care about money. That's what they cared about. So anyways, one of the marketing things was that you're dying of cancer. Picture this, Chuck. You're dying of cancer. Okay, but oh, that's lordy me, my grandson is graduating from high school. Oh, I want to go so badly. Oh, I would love to go see my grandson graduate from high school just before I fucking die. This is the top priority to this person. It was, it was an older lady, too, so it was really hard. Played on your heartstrings. So this okay. dying cancer patient can't get out of bed because she's in such excruciating pain, body riddled with cancer. Guess what gets her to the high school graduation, Chuck? Uber. Oxycontin. Oh. A big pill and she takes it and she gets all dressed and she goes to the high school graduation of her grandson and then the film ends happily happy oh boy that's exactly the way it played out <laughs> who would have thought they, they, they it's called just the a bunch so of grandmas perfect. it's just a bunch of grandmas who are dying who want to go to their grandchildren's graduation that's why we need oxycontin yeah, it wouldn't have looked good. It wouldn't have looked good if they were shooting morphine to go there, Bob. Remember the morphine came in those little vials. Yeah, put her in a wheelchair, get her her little the little gurney thing, the little thing on wheels with the morphine thing, and just have her pushing that thing the whole time at the at the high school graduation. 
But it's just insanity, the American for-profit marketplace of, of so that's why we're going to unleash this incredibly addictive drug. And, and we're going to use it for everything from high school risk breaks on high school children to chronically ill, you know, end stage uh, cancer patients. And it's just the miracle drug for all of them. Just put it in everything. That's, that's what Oxycontin was. Well, they're going to, if you, when I say outlaw fentanyl, that those same people say, oh, but it was such a great drug. You don't know how much pain it reduces mm -hmm. and how many lives it prolongs and all this kind of stuff. It's just crazy to me. For outlaw fentanyl. It's like how we talk about the olden days. Oh, it was so fun. You know, they talk about it in a nostalgia way. You know, oh, remember the Oxycontin <laughs> days? Oh, yeah, that was so fun. Everybody got rich. I remember the, my first island. The first island I bought. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, but anyways, so that's, that's a solution. But for right now, warn the public every time you can. Get in people's faces. That's why I love our message. Don't die. It's fucking true. You're probably risking your life every other day if you're using, you know, fentanyl and fentanyl-laced meth and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and you see it time and time again. What they do when somebody dies, some 22-year-old pacemaker, TikToker died, and finally the autopsy came back, and they list all the drugs. And fentanyl was, was fifth, right? It was like they had marijuana, benzodiazepine, cocaine, methamphetamine, fentanyl. I guarantee you, I guarantee you marijuana, THC didn't kill them. I guarantee you alcohol didn't kill them. I guarantee you probably cocaine didn't kill them. Maybe meth killed them, but definitely fentanyl is the reason why <laughs> yes. fentanyl is the reason why you're writing this piece of shit blog thing on the New York Post uh, page six. That's why you're writing it, fentanyl. And so and fentanyl should be it. fentanyl should be outlawed. It should be internationally banned. And that the simplest, easiest way. You're never going to get drug treatment for people. People don't want drug treatment, Chuck. More drug treatment's not going to solve this problem. It's not. Getting rid no. of fentanyl is. Getting rid of fentanyl is. And what then all the drug addicts can go back to the way we, the three of us were for decades, just pathetic and walking around and stealing money out of your mom's purse and not people <laughs> not wanting you to, you know, but you're going to live. Yeah, live, and, live long and, enough to want to change. And yeah, and God, you know, hopefully, you know, you would want to change. That's, that's all I can say. So but, what, but what, dying what did when the you're 22 of fentanyl and cocaine and marijuana and alcohol, um, you can't change. There's no possibility of change. So I, I'm wholly off that we need more treatment. Fuck that. We got a lot of treatment. We need to ban fentanyl. Uh, and okay. and and legis and ju judicially legislated against it. If you're caught dealing fentanyl, five years minimum minimum sentence, prison. What what did what did the people on Drew say? You said they laughed at you, and then because what? fentanyl is a real drug that has so many valuable things, and the, and it's so hard. How are you going to ban something? I was like, and all I said was quaaludes, dude. Where are quaaludes? I hear so much about quaaludes. I've been trying to find one since 1979. The things I, I, I heard about how great quaaludes <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah, I think I already told you guys. We got a whole bunch of them that were buried somewhere that someone dug up, and they, they had just broken down beyond use. But that was in the 80s, and that, those were already 
way expired and no good. The quail. You didn't foods. figure out. How I'm to surprised make, that you didn't figure out how to make them work. <laughs> I would have. I would have tried really hard. Chuck. Me too. You, you think I didn't? <laughs> you, you don't. You don't get to the level we get to without being uh, real go getters and persistent. Yeah. But that's the whole message of don't die is just to survive. And then if you want to end up like a bunch of our friends, I don't want to name names. So me and Mike have a lot of friends that are in their 60s. They're still high. Whatever. I don't care. They're alive. They're good guys. I like bumping into them. Uh, you know, it, like just to have a full life experience, whether it's, you know, so much self self-induced misery they're still alive. They're still like watching the basketball game tonight. They're still going to get to go get tacos. They're still like a part of the universe, right? I'm not mm -hmm. here to to mm -hmm. to insist that everybody needs to be sober. I, I I don't think I don't think most people at this point can handle being sober. Like yeah. I can handle anything. There's a Bob Dylan line that says, um, I can handle whatever. I stumble upon most of the time, most of the time by Bob Dylan on Oh Mercy. It, I can handle whatever. I can handle whatever with no drugs and no alcohol. Most people can't. Most people can't. Right. You know, um, I can I can go on an airplane through tremendous turbulence and, and survive. <laughs> I can handle it. Most people can't. I can have, you know, the most insane, stressful you know, year of my life between, you know, the problems we've had at Aloe with the state and the problems with the school and having a COVID baby out of nowhere, and like just the stress of being 60 years old and having three little kids. And, and, you know, I can handle whatever and not take drugs. Most people can't. That's my conclusion. So us insisting that all the people that take drugs need to stop, I think we need to stop doing that. If you want to stop, we'll help you. If you don't want to stop, don't die. Yeah. Ha try to figure out a way to meander through this existence and contribute a little bit and, you know, just try to have a life. But, but that's not the message we're giving. We're giving this high bar, total abstinence, of which 90% of the people I deal with want to argue about that. That, that, Total abstinence, no, no benzos, no marijuana, no drinking. They always want to argue that. So if you're arguing the high bar we're putting, and we know how hard it is to achieve and sustain, why the fuck are we proselytizing it all the time? Do you ever think of that, Chuck? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think I proselytize that, or you do, or anybody. I don't think that that used to be a big like that. That was the whole just say no thing. Don't do anything. But I no, I that's the I, I'm not thing that you're not you're not people. worthy. When you I, I experienced it for nine years, I would be sober for three months and get a lot of praise for that. And as soon as I would relapse and be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? When are you going to get it straight? When are you going to fucking get, surrender? When are you going to do this? Like that, that right there makes you not want to be a part of an organization. If when I'm at my lowest and I'm suffering and I fucked up, I get pounded on by strangers. That, that to me just says like, let's stop all this insistence on abstinence, right? Just don't steal. Don't die. 
try to be a dad, try to be a mom, ask for help, be honest, you know, as much as you can. Don't be a liar. Don't be a fucking liar. You know what I mean? Try yeah, to but, try to have a yeah. life. <laughs> right. But the people that are coming to me aren't those people that seem to be capable of getting that life without <laughs> abstinence. Well, right. Like, well, like, I, I, well, I, I, really they, I, hey, admit it. A lot of them that get abstinence can't get a life either. Come on, Chuck. <laughs> the, uh, Come on, buddy. Oh, I'm not saying it makes you smart. And I'm not saying it makes you good at life, but the idea that, you know, um, I, I was reading a thing about George Michael because I, I don't know, I had a George Michael kind of day. And they were, they were talking about his drug use and how miserable he was in his drug use. And they said, if you can't, if you don't enjoy hedonism, then you probably shouldn't be participating. You know, if you know, Rod Stewart still drinks, but he's got a you know, I always, he's I, a happy I, man. Yeah, right. There are a lot of happy, happy people that still they Willie enjoy Nelson. it. Willie, Willie Nelson, Willie fantastic, Nelson, yeah. the top of my list. Instead of modeling after the old grouchy AA grumpy guy that's been hadn't had a drink in thirty six years, model after Willie Nelson. The guy is fucking pleasant and agreeable and kind and thoughtful and stoned every second of every day. See, that sounds miserable to me. Well, to, for he, me, that he, sounds miserable. But and but, any real addict, anybody that if if I could have stopped at weed, I would have stopped at weed. If I could have gone back to weed and just smoked weed, I would have. That's the problem with me. What I've learned about me. And that's not the universal truth. That's maybe one. But, out of 10 but yeah, people. I don't even I don't even know that you know that that's true. You just have been recited that from AA your whole. No, lie. it's what I learned by by. Yeah, you learned repeating it for a the few cycle. years. You've repeating the it cycle. For a few years, repeating the cycle over fifteen years and blah blah blah. And so it's like, yeah, now, I got it. But now you're a different person, and this has happened to the two really close friends of mine that had fourteen years and ten years sobriety. You're a different person now, and you keep insisting you're the same person you were when you were 19 or 22 or 25 or 27 and you're not. And, and so I just say, I choose not to take drugs. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, right. I don't have exactly. to go back to what I was like when I was 28 to reinforce. I just don't want to. I, right. I, I, that's I don't as simple see an upside. That. I don't see an upside, but insisting, but insisting that everyone we come in contact with, that comes into our clutches. And by the way, I think a lot of them are in our clutches because they are socially uh, disenfranchised and, and can't find a job and they're ill-equipped for uh, functioning in society. I think that's how, partially how you end up in rehab. I think, that, I, think that, the, I think the drug part of it is just like, it's the crossing the T and the dotting of the I. I think there's, really something wrong with a whole generation of American kids, mm -hmm. right? That they just are hopeless and they have no ambition and they have no skills and they have, and they feel entitled and they feel privileged and they feel important. Right. And, and so when you go into a society that you have no skills to enter into, you don't know how the society works and you think you should be, all your feelings should be validated and everybody should, the universe should center around you. How well do you think you're going to do, Chuck? 
Oh, we all know how that works out, right? Yes. And, I mean, and let me tell you, millions of American parents have created millions of young adults in this country that are exactly that. It's the parents' fault. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, we've, and we've that's why that. I have compassion. I have compassion towards the kids. Nobody even taught them how a washing machine works. Nobody's ever told them nobody gives a fuck. Who do you think you are? I think I'm the first person that said so many to so many different kids. Who the fuck do you think you are? Who do you think gives? Nobody gives a fuck what you think. No one's ever (laughs) told them that. I got told that, Mike. Am I wrong? I got told that when I was seven years old. (laughs) Well, you know what? And that is. That is, shut up, you know, Bobby. You're a little kid. Go, well, listen, go in your room. One of, one of the things that we were told in early, and I know we talk about how the old timers are killing people sometimes, you know, by chasing people out, saying you can't share about this. You can share about this. But one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in AA is just, just, just shut up and sit down and listen. You know, just listen. For yeah, a while. but you, but that only works with somebody who had been told to. Um, Take the cotton out of your ears and put them in your mouth. You know how most people think that that's an AA slogan? Yeah. My dad told me that when I was eight years old. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was a part. That was a part of our society. And then it just the only place it it lingered and remained in was AA. So then AA looks like it invented it. No, my dad used to say that. All my right, uncles right, used to right. say that. All my uncles said that. Yeah, you know. There was sayings about children. Children should be seen and not heard. I you was told that you, yeah. from the time I could be told that. If you're always talking, you can't be listening, you know, stuff right. like that. Yeah. And so, and now no parents are saying that to their children. And, but AA is still saying it. So it's so shocking when they come into AA. It's so you, shocking oh, to wait, hear it. Are you clap talking at us? Are you? Yeah, I, are I'm, you, I really are you mean clap talking at us. <laughs> I really mean it. <laughs> I'm telling you're you, you're so ghetto. <laughs> if you if you really want to help people, stop doing that because <laughs> because the society doesn't do it anymore. So it just looks like this weird, freaky cult where old men yell that at young people. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I was uh, Mike. You somebody said to you when you were a kid, your dad or your mom. I was said it constantly. All my sisters were told that. I witnessed my cousins being told that. So the, the fact is, it was a part of our society to tell little kids or tell teenagers, shut the fuck up. Right. And no, then that this- spread into N.A. and A.A. And then it stopped being in the society, but it's still in N.A. and A.A. So, so a child who's born in 1986 and, and just goes through life never being told they're, they're not the most important thing on the face of the earth. And goes through their life and then they end up in drug treatment. They end up in AA and somebody says, hey, nobody gives a fuck what you think. They're just like, what? What are you talking about? But but there's a way to say it and joke about it that the AA people don't do anymore. Like when Gloria would say, Bob, nobody gives a fuck what you think. Um. It she wasn't offensive. Laugh. You she just heard laugh. it. Yeah. She would laugh. Right. There's an endearing and, way. Know, There's an endearing way to say it. It's yeah. called tact. Yeah. It's called attunement also. I was well, just talking love about the, love. You I was say just it talking love. about yeah, and I was just talking about this with Jared tonight, my partner in Allo, that what 
what, what's happening with the insurance industry dictating care is attunement no longer matters. You no longer have time to be attuned. It doesn't matter to be attuned. It doesn't, you can't document, document a great therapist being attuned. No, knowing their criteria. <laughs> There's what, what nothing, criteria do the most need? valuable thing about drug treatment is connection and attachment and attunement from the clinicians to the clients. And they've yeah. removed that. They've removed the most important thing about drug treatment. Yeah, by gotta, sterilizing uh, it, sanitizing it, documenting it, mediocritizing it. They've taken the only good thing about drug treatment out. Well, yeah, they treat it like it's a medical procedure. Like, you know, I just went, I had a cyst cut out of my back last week. You know, it's not like that. You don't sit them down and you do A, B, and C, and then you wait two weeks and then everything's better and you send them home. That's not what they're understanding. They don't get it. And I, I, I worry for the future of treatment because we're allowing, the industry is allowing ourselves to get pushed around and uh it, it's not working for the people or for and you know what and back to that other thing we we had a big meeting with everybody because we were going to change some things about the way things were happening this speaks right to your point bob 50 clients in the room warren starts talking five minutes in hands are going up well what about this and him going right. if you let me finish i may answer your question while I'm telling you what's happening. Right. right. But there can't be more than 30 seconds of being talked to without there being an objection, a question, or an accusation of some sort, and people needing to be heard because for so it seems like everybody's growing up where the 10-year-old in the family, his opinion is just as important as mom's or dad's. Oh. And that's oh. not that's not real life. The real life is your low man on the totem pole champ you know uh, yes you matter and yes we care about you but we're going to go here to eat because that's what we want to do or this is where we're going to do this and you're going with us because that's just the way life I is i i i coined that phrase collaborative childhoods so parents aren't parenting they're collaborating with their child on their childhood there their collaboration <laughs> it's a collaboration what do you think little man like no and i i made the dumb mistake when i was newly sober of doing that with Elijah. And I have a lot of regret about that. He was 10 years old and 11 years old. And I was treating him like he was 21 and he was my son. And I was treating him like he was my friend or, or roommate. Or that you had and, equal standing in, in the relationship. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Equal standing. And mm -hmm. part of that comes from the fear that I had because of what a shitty dad I was up until that point that he didn't love me or like me. And, and so I had to, I had to somehow ingratiate myself to him. I had to bond yeah, with him. Right. And the yeah, way to, to bond up. with him is to treat him equal, right? Cause, and he liked that and he fed off that. And that's, that was a real setback for him because he never really connected with people his own age, right? Right. We don't, and then we as parents... <laughs> As parents, we won't admit the mistakes we've made, too. Because I share a lot of the mistakes I made with Elijah. I've made mistakes with Elvis. I, I, hopefully, I'm learning and getting better. I don't know if I've made too many mistakes with Sid and, and, and Idris. But, well, but let's just probably. say this. Idris, you haven't made a lot of mistakes yet. <laughs> it's been three and a half months. <laughs> 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 
three and a half months. I haven't dropped. I haven't dropped him. Do you know the story about me dropping Elvis? I gotta no. tell you this story. So, so this guy that I helped get off drugs was a. He was a really cool guy from Oklahoma. He's like a real Renaissance guy, like farmer. Uh, you know, builder, like just this crazy Oklahoma guy. And he had these spiritual rocks. He had a spiritual site where he cut these rocks out of the, that were there for millions of years that were really heavy, super heavy, like slabs of rock. And he gave me one and said, it's an energy source. He brought it from Oklahoma to my house. It was, he's one of the kindest guys. And, uh, and so I had this rock and I used to meditate on it when I was into TM or whatever. So I'd sit on the TM rock. I'd sit on the rock, do my TM. And, and then I, and then when, when Elvis's mom, Sam and I got together, like I put that rock at the foot of the bed against the wall, but because you're, you're getting married and having a baby, I really wasn't meditating anymore. It was just there in case I, <laughs> in case I wanted to. So the, one of the first times that that Sam ever like trusted me, like she was gonna go out and uh, and 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 um and goes go I don't know what go grocery shopping or something. Elvis is like four months, five months old, and so we're getting ready, and she's getting ready to leave, and I've got him on the bed, and I'm talking to her, whatever, and I'm not paying attention, and he rolled over and landed head first, like going head down into the spiritual rock. Hmm. No, and, there, and I and I picked him up, and there, I'm telling you, Chuck, there was an indentation in his forehead, like an inch, like like <laughs> it was frightening, and he wasn't crying, so it was like he's dead or so. It was the scariest fucking thing. And then she's freaking out, and we call nine one one, the paramedics come, and then she goes in the ambulance, and I think like I brain damaged him forever because he wasn't really crying. It was the strangest thing. Like he just had this huge dent in his forehead. Mm. Turns out babies' heads are soft They're and they soft. get dented and then they yeah, and they straighten <laughs> back up. So by the time they got to the hospital, the dent was gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I but I get there and they're like, Yeah, there's nothing really wrong with him. And so <laughs> uh, but the first time I was watching him, I let him fall head first on just spiritual rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> first time you know. I was watching him by myself. So I never turn my back on Idris. That's what I learned from that experience. No, yeah, right. <laughs> See, I do. So, I do carry. Her. I I do carry him around like a sack of potatoes, though. And when he, he starts he, crying, I say, "Oh, you don't want to cry. You don't want to cry." <laughs> Is that bad? Is that bad to tell a baby you don't want to cry? Are you? Yeah, if you're, you know, I I don't know if you're tending to their needs and they don't really need to. Yeah, yeah, you don't you need know? to cry. No, and, and it's wrong. hard. What do you it's need? hard for him to fall off the ground, so put him on the ground. Yeah, maybe yeah, around no. your fifth child or something, Bob, you'll be like really perfect. <laughs> you know what? I saw I was at the baseball game last night and I and we were talking about baseball players, our favorite baseball players. And there's this one baseball player named Gaylord Perry. I don't know if you ever heard of this baseball player. But and me and my friends were talking about what a cool name Gaylord was. And then part of me said, I'll just have another kid so I can name it Gaylord. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's yeah, that's good enough reason as any. <laughs> is that is that a good reason to have a child, Chuck? So yeah. you can use the word the name Gaylord? Because have oh, you ever it, heard of a person named Gaylord? Uh, no, just a dog. 
a dog Dickie's named dog Gaylord? Is, yeah, Dickie's, uh, Dickie's dog is named Gaylord. Is it after Gaylord Perry, the pitcher? Uh, no, he, this is this was uh, this was probably 15 years ago when I knew Gaylord. It was it was it was a weird basset hound, and it just seemed to fit him. It was kind of snooty. So what do you call Gaylord. him for short? Gay or Lord? No, it was always Gaylord. <laughs> It's just Gaylord. Yeah, you can't. You can't go. You can't, you really can't shorten go. that one. You can't shorten that one. <laughs> G, G, oh G Lord, G Lo. <laughs> hey, G Lo. G Lo. Yeah. But so, so, anyways, I I'm just on this new, more positive path. Like, let people take drugs, but let's just inform people and let's try to outlaw fentanyl. Like, it, it can be done. Mandatory five year prison sentences for anybody caught dealing fentanyl mandatory like no. i'm telling you but, you know and i'm i'm not one that believes you know in you know pr you know punishment and all that i just think that if i'm if i'm out there right now and i'm rolling and whatever and i'm just poor trying to cover my habit and i'm selling to this person to get dope for myself and whatever i'm and there's no no different punishment for fentanyl over heroin or meth. It doesn't matter to me then. But as right. soon as you make it conscious to me as a little hustling, trying to cover my habit guy, you caught dealing fentanyl, you're going to prison. No what first offense. That will stop you know, and a majority to, of get, the dealing of it. It'll stop a majority of the dealing of it. I'd love to talk to people who have the opposite act on that too i just want to hear their points but the idea that it would make it more of a risk it would make it cost more it would make it one of those things that's not as easy to get because it has about the same penalty as weed which is practically legal and no one's going to jail for having any of this stuff um i think it would i think it would make a huge difference i think it would make the cost go up and some people would be willing to take the risk and a lot of other people wouldn't and i'll i'll do you one better i'll decriminalize heroin and meth and prison sentences mandatory prison sentences for fentanyl how about that that'll get your should, market we, we should, that'll get your market moving in a different direction don't you think we, yeah we should put oxycontins in all the school lunches <laughs> there was one in a happy meal it was oh the suboxone suboxone in a happy meal yeah someone dropped their own stuff in the bag <laughs> so let me yeah let, exactly. let me tell you i i was at the hollywood bowl on sunday night seeing my favorite artist kamasi washington he was brilliant and greatest he is i i said to my friend i just feel lucky that i'm alive to be able to go see this guy play music the guy is a fucking genius of all geniuses. His name's Kamasi Washington. If you've never heard of him, he's a jazz saxophone player. He's just, a, it's his music. And somebody, uh, I was sitting there watching it and Chrissy finally got it. We've seen him like nine times and she's like, I don't get it. And last, the other night, she was like, I get it now. I get, it just takes you away. And his music takes you away in two different ways simultaneously, Chuck. It takes you away in tenderness and unconditional love and kind of a hippie vibe and rage and anger at the same time his songs have those ingredients in them together so it has this beautiful melody and this beautiful like a lot of the songs have these beautiful melodies beautiful beginnings and then they just build and build and build into this frantic anger and violence type thing and then they subside back to this peaceful tender 
kind of thing. He had a song called Sun-Kissed Child about his daughter that just got born this year. It's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And so I went and saw Kamasi Washington. 20,000 people in Hollywood Bowl, no masks. I went to Dodger Stadium last night. 50,000 people in Dodger Stadium, no masks. But yet kids aren't going to probably go to school in September. I don't get it, Chuck. Can you help me understand the government policies in relation to well, COVID? Well, me and Tito, we were we, we, we have an opinion about these things. What in the um, hell? How can now? Uh, you know, to me, they should go to school, and you should be able to go see Kamasi Washington. But that you can go to the Hollywood Bowl and you can go to Dodger Stadium, but your kids are probably not going to go to school in September. That is insane to me. That's well, yeah. insane. It's it's also insane that there's people were talking about the upticking in uh, cases, but it's like, yeah, hundreds of thousands of people are doing a ton more stuff and they're not wearing masks. So there's going to be a slight uptick in the cases. The The deaths aren't happening. The deaths are not happening. Cases. So here's 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 one the interesting thing about the about the um uh, yeah about the just the the math and politics of it all. So we were hoping for seventy percent vaccination. It looks like it's divided along party lines. It looks like about fifty three percent. So that means there's three percent rational Republicans. So 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 about fifty three percent of the population is fully vaccinated, right? And then 47% or not. So that 47%, they're going to get infected. There's no doubt. Over the next two to three years, they will have COVID. They are not going to die of it because we have so much better medicines and we have so much worse. We know so much more about the virus. Mm -hmm. So people are not going to die. What's going to happen, Chuck, is they're going to be hospitalized. And let me tell you about hospitals they're super expensive and your insurance doesn't cover all of it. Guess what the leading cause of debt in America is? Medical costs. We are going to double that. It was $140 billion of medical costs were in collections. That means people are being, their, their paychecks are being garnished. Their, their credit ratings are being damaged. Their, their homes are being attached, mm -hmm. right? for okay. these medical debts it, it just in 2020 it went to 140 billion it surpassed credit card debt in america so medical when you go to a hospital and the bill's hundred thousand dollars and your insurance says we're only going to pay seventy two thousand dollars you owe twenty eight thousand dollars to the hospital and they are going to come after you and get that money and they're going to garnish your wages and they're going to ruin your credit and they're going to if you own a home they're going to attach your home that's what collections means. So all this COVID is going to do is add more to that. So if you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. You're going to end up owing thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars when you get hospitalized. You know, it's you know what the average ICU bed cost in America is ten thousand dollars a day. So if you're in an ICU bed for some of some of these people I know have been in for nineteen days, that's one hundred ninety thousand dollars. Do you think Anthem Blue Shield HMO is going to pay for that? They are not going to. No, I've seen the way they pay for things. Yeah, they are not going to. The little known secret that's coming in 2022, 2023, 2024 is the bankruptcy of all these people that don't get vaccinated. Do you see it, Chuck? 
Have you ever thought uh, of it that way? I hadn't thought of it that way, but that, but that would make sense. I mean, why That's would you? That's what's wa- going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So I believe the, the media and social media and all of and the government should start telling people, yeah, you have the right to not get vaccinated, but you don't have the right to walk out on your hospital bill. So if you're going to get hospitalized, you're going to be billed for that. I'm telling you. Yeah. Because right now, because right now there's this weird moratorium on COVID and billing and it's all kind of confusing. No, just now you everybody. I was at Dodger Stadium last night. They said, hey, anybody that wants a vaccine in the left field pavilion, we've got free vaccines. And they showed a video camera live. No lines. Come on out and get vaccinated at Dodger Stadium. What in for five minutes, take it out of your baseball game to get vaccinated. So I've no sympathy for people saying they don't have access to vaccination. That's bullshit. It's at Dodger Stadium. It's at Walgreens. It's at CVS. So that yes. whole lie of, oh, they're such hard to get vaccinated. No, it's not anymore. Not anymore. It was when I did it. So if nobody's getting vaccinated, they're probably not going to. So we need to get rid of this moratorium on the billing for COVID. If you don't get vaccinated and you end up in a hospital and and you're there for a week or 10 days, you're going to owe that 40 grand. You know what I mean? The co-pays and all of what it costs to be there. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing that most Americans, fortunately, never don't often come in contact with what we come in contact every hour, every day, which is insurance billing and compensation and hospitals mm-hmm. and 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 and. It's it's madness. It's just madness. Our healthcare system. It's madness. Every dollar spent on healthcare in America, thirty three cents of it goes to arguing about what the bill is and who's going to pay it. Thirty three cents well, of every dollar and spent the, on healthcare is arguing and, over the bill. And, and then I then I hear like I go into I go into work today and the kids are talking about the. The billionaire joyride where they spend 10 minutes in space and the, oh, the yeah. damage the damage to the earth is like if you took an average car and ran it for 200 years straight was the amount of emissions that we're dealing with from that yeah. simple 10 minute talk, flight. talk about it, i just said I, what you know just talk about privilege like and you know but whatever it's just you know Who'd want to go up in space with Jeff Bezos, anyways? God, that'd be annoying. As and they were yeah, eating. You know, but- they were eating Skittles. Like, is there any more white privilege than that? Like, why is he not? Why is he not attacked by the left because he owns the Washington Post? Like, you, know, you can the- see now. You can see now what Republicans see in us. Jeff Bezos is a disgusting, selfish pig. But no one, no Democrat will say that because he owns the Washington Post and he's on their side. Right. If he was a Republican, if that was Donald Trump Jr. did that, can you imagine what Uh, MSNBC and CNN would say? Can you imagine what CNN and MSNBC would say if that was Donald Trump Jr. eating Skittles in space? I know what they would say. They would say he was eating Skittles to make fun of Trayvon Martin and that, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It, it would just, it, but so that's, that's where we are. And then it's like, that's where uh, we are. And that's and, and, where our vaccine and understand that's exactly where our vaccination rate is. 50, 50, 50, yeah. 50. And, 
And so, uh, you know, we're at an what hour, are we going to so, do? Uh, are we gonna, well, well, this is important. Are we going to shut down our schools and, and bankrupt our restaurants that just recently got to reopen and are still only working at uh, uh, drawing customers at 50% occupancy? Are we going to stop concerts again so that no musicians can make music or play music or make a living? Are we going to uh, have all the roadies and sound men and sound women and production people and concert industry people be unemployed? Are all the agencies, WME and, and APA and CAA, are they going to all have to, have to lay off all their workers again because 50% of the population don't want to get vaccinated? Is that what we're going to do? I, I sure hope not. I, I, you know, I, when I heard that LA was closing down again, or at least mandating masks again, I was like, really, that's not what the problem is. It's not about masks at this point. It's about people that are, ref that refuse to get the vaccine for whatever reason. And you know what, if they've got good reason to do that, then yeah, then accept your, accept your part in it. There's just the same way that I chose to get vaccinated. And if I grow a tail in 10 years, then I grow a tail. I just alter my pants and make it comfortable. You know what I mean? I, I, I did what I do. You do what you do. And we have to be willing to accept that outcome. And then uh, the other side of that is like it, even uh, vice put back out that MIT study from 1972 that said by like 2050, how the, the, the way uh, money has gotten so out of hand that it's going to be, it's going to reach a critical mass and that we're going to have to change the way we look at money altogether. So people aren't even looking at kids are, are the younger generation are so caught up in money doesn't mean anything. It's not real. They're mining it. The cryptocurrency doesn't even have anything to back it up. They're, they don't want to buy property and they don't want to own things. And it's how do we unravel this? Well, first, let's what you talk about. Let's let's get people to stop dying. Let's get fentanyl the fuck out of here, man. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. what I believe I believe we could do that. I believe it's a it would be a bipartisan agreement. Get fentanyl out of here. Well, let's I don't, let's run with something object, we might be able, gonna, Let's get traction. It's only. It's only fringes of the medical profession, the pharmaceutical industry, and goofball pain management doctors that are going to object to that. And somebody has to stand up when you complicate things. Oh, well, it is good in certain instances. Well, the good, the bad outweighs the good, so we need to ban it. The, just as the bad outweighs the good, we need to wear masks. We need to shut down the society. We're doing it right now. The, 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 the risk of, of COVID infection and overrunning our hospitals, we all have to stop going out and wear masks and not, you know, and stay home. We just did it so we can do it with fentanyl. The, the little old lady who wants to go see his son's uh, grand, uh, grandson's graduation. Sorry, sorry, you got cancer. You're not going to be able to go to the graduation. <laughs> oh, man. Is that harsh or what? Uh, why why like, we got to pick on old what, ladies? <laughs> but, but I just don't think that's true. It's something that Purdue made up to make it an issue. If I'm dying of cancer someday, which I probably, I know I will probably, liver cancer, I, the, the last thing I'm going to be thinking about is high school graduation bullshit. Who fucking cares? Who fucking right. cares? I want my grandson to sit there with me and let's talk. <laughs> That's by far not the last thing I want to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you know but, I, but, I'd pick but, something way better than that, man. <laughs> hey, did you ever read that book, um, uh, My Tuesdays with Maury, about the guy getting together with this old guy? Anyways, that's what I think. Like, spend, spend time now. 
Yeah. Spend time now with your grandma. She's not going to be around forever. Spend time now. Spend time now with your friends. They're not going to be around forever. Yeah. But rest staying, in peace, Fig. Staying home. Yeah. A friend of mine died. It was sad. And well, I so, so, so did Rock and Fig over the weekend. That's a that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. This great legend. this great guy uh, David King. His name was. Um, uh, tell you what a great guy he was. I stole his girlfriend. He was gracious about it, and he was a gentleman about it. I mean, that's that. That's that's the that's measure of a man. I was, I, was, well, I, was always, I was always ashamed of it and and felt bad about it. And but he was really like the first night was rough. I got to admit he wasn't great about it that day. But he grew to still we remained friends and and then um, I don't know. He was just a great guitar player, great songwriter, and he passed away a couple of days right. ago, a few days ago. <laughs> All right, end it. End it with this. Don't die, motherfuckers. Don't die. <laughs> Try to That's... live as long as possible. Try Wear to the live mask as long and get the possible. vaccine. Because we want to go to Ohana Fest and have a yes, great time. Yes, we do. Yeah. You see, they, that... they added another weekend or something. I know. Pearl Jam they, added, they added more dates. That's awesome. No, and, and, you know, uh, is Beck playing? Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Beck's I know got, that Josh... Josh Klinghoffer, who has his own solo thing, he's made like four albums under the moniker Plural One, which right. the the record, the last, the record, I think a record's come out now, but the last one was amazing. He's playing for the first time live at the second weekend of Ohana right. Fest. So I will be in the front row. Of, yeah. You got to understand, this band has, Chuck, this band has drums, guitar, bass, piano, synthesizer. And he plays it all, and he's going to try to do it live. You got to be ah. there to watch. Plural one, Josh Klinghoffer, the genius. You got to watch it. So yeah, we got to have Ohana Fest. We got to get these people to get vaccinated, or at least like make some decisions about the people that don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, right. I love you. Guys. All right. All right. No, you don't, Mike. You just want to go. <laughs> no, I do. I do. It doesn't Love sound like it right everybody. now, but I do. Cheer <laughs> up. All right. All right. It's a long Later, road. Later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.